This is the MFG cast. How's it going, everyone? This is D. Wyatt. And I'm Kurt. And today we have the guest of guests, the man that we've been trying to talk to for a while now, the Sultan, <laughs> the Sultan of Bureaus, the King of Charterstone, Jamie Stegmaier himself. How's it going, man? It's great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, trust me, pleasure is ours. We have been chatting up Charterstone for a while. So we are going to have a couple of little spoilers in here, but just mainly because we want to know the direction and the ideas behind these things. Okay. But before we jump into uh, which actually took over my favorite game of 2017, oh, wow. it's a good thing you beat that Christmas deadline. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tanya, eight days difference. That would have been a whole new thing. But before anything else, so Jamie, it's been a little while since you've been on a podcast. What are some of the titles you've been playing lately? What have I? I played Orleone last night at my game night. Have you guys played Orleone? Oh. Just a couple, <laughs> just a few dozen times. That's all. Oh. Two dozen times. So good. Tell tell him tell him why, Dan. Tell him why we're laughing about it. Because we had a video showing how great it was, and I bought it up like every episode for like four months. So, <laughs> oh wow! All right, sounds like I need to subscribe and catch up then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that game. Um, yeah, I played that. Um, what did I play recently as well? Let me look at my shelf back here. I played Downforce a couple times recently. I've really enjoyed Downforce. It's a little lighter, but sometimes I like a good light, like 30 or 40. Okay. Dan, did we lose you? All right, I am back. I heard the last two (laughs) syllables of Jamie's word, of course. So that's fantastic. Okay. I just mentioned Downforce. I played Downforce. Yeah. Right. So what do you think of that one? I really enjoy it. That one, it caught me off guard. I, I... like some racing games, other racing games I don't like as much, but this one was just, it was a lot of fun. It was one of those games where it was quick enough that I wanted to play it again right away after the first time I played it. And after that, I, I bought it. Now, one of the things is, uh, one of my favorite shows that I've been getting to a lot lately is Across the Board. Okay. And yeah. I heard you on with those guys, and I was like really impressed with some of your picks of the uh, um, the hashtag no game left behind. Yeah. It's like, because it was great, because, uh, you know, we're listening to, I'm listening to that episode and everything, and it's like, you were like, oh, you know, I don't know if you ever played uh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, and I was like, that's one of the greatest games ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you mentioned Orleans as well, it was like another fantastic title, so <laughs> that's part of the other reason I was uh, really happy that we can get you on for this episode. That's actually the, um, if I ever get back on their podcast, I'm going to talk about Yado. I played Yado recently, I've played that a number of times, and that one, it's ranked like way lower than how good of a game I think it is. Have you played Yado? <laughs> Yeah, the only thing I wonder is if what hurts it is the fact that it's so hard to acquire now. That's true. Yeah, it is out of print. Yeah. You know, this is something that, I mean, uh, I know Pandasaurus is, you know, doing amazing things with uh, Dinosaur Island and all that, but yeah, if uh, if throughout this year they free up a couple of months and they can get a Yido reprint, I would be thrilled. I actually, after I, I posted it on, in, on uh, Instagram and I, I reached out to them afterward and they, they did tell me they don't plan on reprinting it. So... Oh, no. So maybe, maybe someday well, in the future. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I almost think that with like Orleans, that's kind of got it, the same thing where it's like, you know, it's a great game, but it's very hard to acquire. You have to find somebody that has it or, you know, with like Dan, he had to go to Germany to get it. Or he had to, he had to go online to get it from Germany, which I, what I might have to do because we played it on Tabletopia, which is an online gaming service. And, you know, I really, you know, dug it there and I was like, well, Boy, I don't, you know, I don't want to, no offense, I don't want to pay like, you know, $150 for, you know, something that I could pay for less. You know, yeah. I was like, well, maybe I'll just, you know, go online, you know, turn my uh, Google uh, German to English, uh, you know, thing on and just buy it there. Because uh, otherwise, I, you know, who knows when I'll get it. So, yeah. And the tough thing with that one, too, is once you play the deluxe version with like the wooden tokens instead of the cardboard ones, it is really hard to go back. 
And it's not even that fancy. It's just a, it's a little <laughs> nicer to pull out wooden tokens than the cardboard tokens out of the bag. I do love that they uh, they did the art of them being double sided front and back on the wooden guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I was applying the stickers with like tweezers and a Q-tip. I'm like, don't mess this up, fumble hands. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, for what it's worth, anyone that's looking for a DLP games on the German site, you can actually get the wooden tokens. You can get the fifth player board. Everything that was in the U.S. deluxified version. Really? Yeah. If you don't mind the four to six weeks shipping, it is possible to acquire. What site is it? Uh, it's DLP Games. I think it's DLPGames.de. But if okay. you search DLP, uh, DLP Games on uh, Google, yeah. that was the German publisher. So cool. Yes. Who knows? Maybe they'll pick up Yido or something like that, and oh, then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then we can finally start playing it again. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that we always mention too is with uh, Orleonzo. The biggest heartbreak is going to the store and seeing Trade and Intrigue, and Invasion. And but that's what you can buy. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's like the worst thing in the world. One of the greatest titles ever that is so hard to acquire. I'm always like, it pains me to know that people can't get access to those games. Yeah. So that's why I. That's one of the reasons why I don't like Kickstarter exclusives. I, like if if you put all that time and effort into making something wonderful and beautiful that people actually enjoy, why would you say no? We're not going to sell this again in the future that was something i learned pretty early on on kickstarter well it's um so one of the things with me is i'm like huge anti-kickstarter right here yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much for the same reason and that's one of the things that i was telling Kurt about a while like i always looked at with the stonemeyer games you had everything there and it's like yeah this stuff might be more expensive later but at least it's right. there it's there yeah you yeah. know like uh and also like even those resource bits that you had a while ago yeah yeah so Another, like, it's like, okay, I never got the deluxe version of this game, but I can kind of more or less make my own deluxe version now. Exactly. So. Yeah, my philosophy has been if, if enough people want something, I want to I wanna make it so they can buy it. That's good for me because I get to make a little bit of money, and it's good for them because they get the thing they want. So. Yeah, uh, well, so I take it you don't subscribe to the Z-Man policy of, oh, this game was awesome, you'll never see it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't get, I don't understand that. Uh, it seems just like a, it seems like a weird strategy for a publisher to take, especially <laughs> if enough people are there who want to buy the product. Maybe they're doing like that, like that old school high school thing of like, well, if the person really likes you, you don't talk to them. That way, they want you even more. <laughs> there is, I mean, there's something to be said for anticipation, but I think anticipation means that at some point you know it's coming, and if you never, right? if there's that <laughs> uncertainty, that's not fun. Yeah, trust me, you're you're preaching to the choir here <laughs> on that tunnel a few times. Yeah. All right, so uh, uh, I figure is Charterstone really baffled us on something where almost to the degree of like pandemic, I saw so many polarizing things and like different views on this game and stuff like that. Yeah. So the first thing I want to like just cover is this is like the first of its kind. And I don't know what people were expecting out of that, but the fact that it's a town-building legacy game. Right. I remember when a friend mentioned it like a year ago. I was like, okay, I want it now. Where do I get it? Uh -huh. I was like, that sounds great. Yeah. So like approaching it like this and everything else, like the idea of this growing town. Yeah. Did that spawn off of like, were you playing a game and you're like, man, if only, wait a minute, I can make this. Like, was it something like that? Or was this something you always were tinkering with? I mean, there are definitely a few different inspirations for it, but I think the the general idea, like the big picture, was that I I love legacy games. Um, I love Risk Legacy. I love Pandemic Legacy. I love the idea of permanence in some games, not all games, but in those games, I love the psychological impact of permanence. And so I knew at some point I wanted to design a legacy game. But I'm a I'm a Euro game designer. I, I'm not I'm not a, a Risk style designer. I don't I haven't designed any cooperative games like Pandemic Legacy. And plus, I wanted to do something a little different. So I, I can't remember exactly what really got in my head about doing village building in particular, but I, I think at some point I just realized this idea in many games, many Euro games where we're constructing buildings, but the next time that you return to the game, those buildings aren't there anymore. You start, you start fresh. And so why not do the opposite of that? Why not say, okay, when we wake up the next day, of course, this thing that we built is still going to be there the next day. So let's, let's find a way to, to work that into a, a legacy concept. Yeah, because it's Dan, like, I have I have a question if you don't mind me butting in. Sure. Thanks, Dan. So when you're when you decided to uh, uh decide to make a legacy game, 
is it something that did you chat with like Rob Davio or did you, you know, did you pull from other people saying, okay, you know, how exactly do I need to do this? Or was it something that you just pull from your experiences of playing those games and, you know, was like, okay, well, I can make this, but I just want to make it the way I want to make it. Yeah, a few different things. Um, one, I, Rob, I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever had talked to Rob or were listening to the podcast that he's been on, but he is he's fascinating to listen to. So I've I've listened to like every podcast that he's been on, just because he, he's fun to listen to. But I, I also learn something about legacy game design every time I do it. I, I think when he was a, like, there was like a few years where he was talking about Seafall a lot because it was taking him longer than he thought, and he was it was almost like he was hashing out ideas in real time. And so I listened to him a lot during that period. So I've, 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 by the time that it came time to design Charterstone, I had an inkling to reach out to him. And I did eventually reach out to him just to say, hey, I'm designing this. Um, hopefully I'll send you a copy someday and you can play it. But, uh, but I didn't want to bother. I didn't want to take his time up because he'd already, he already had all this content out there uh, in podcast form. So yeah, yeah. He, but he's, I, I've, I've learned so much from playing his games and listening to those podcasts. You know, you mentioned uh, you know, when he was going through Seafall, Mm-hmm. Every time I listen to a podcast and somebody goes, you know, I don't care what people say. I love Seafall. I'm like, good. You know, it's <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry if it's not what people were looking for, but it's still an awesome idea and it's something different, you know? Yeah. I always feel like the biggest, my biggest gripe is like with board gaming community is like, we want something different. We want something new. Here's new and different. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, again, Seafall, like just that exploration, like, you know, like, like you said, like that sense of permanence, it was like a very different thing. Like, you know, that, you know, that idea of like almost a 4X legacy style where you're exploring and, you know, expanding and stuff like that. Right. So now the other thing like with Charterstone is, you know, like the storyline that you have in the game. That's another thing that I kind of like, you know, I kind of like left a little when people were like, oh, you know, like there's not much story, there's not much story. Like, all right, so worker placements, I don't know anyone at the end of a worker placement was like, my God, that was a... That was a tale. <laughs> like, I will tell my children someday of when I got three pumpkins. Right, right. <laughs> right. You know, but even still, like, I kind of feel like I like that story in Charterstone and everything. And I was like, in that like vein of like the Forever King and everything you were doing with that. Yeah. Again, like, was that off of like, you know, any inspiration or did you have the idea of how that world was first before the buildings and designing more or? A lot of it came from, in any of my designs, whenever I put a mechanism in a game or whenever I'm trying to figure out how the game works, I ask myself why a lot. Like, why are we building these buildings? Why are these characters here? Who, who are we? Why are, why are we doing any of this? And so when I asked those questions in this game, the, the, that's where the story started to emerge. Like, why, why, are, why were these people sent out to build a village in the first place? Like, what, why has that happened? Like, what happened? What's wrong with the place that they were living? Who's the person that sent them there? And what are his motivations? Things like that. So they all, like over and over again, I asked myself these questions. And so it wasn't like I sat down one day and wrote the story. It was maybe over many months, I kept asking myself over many playtests, like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And and that story emerged. So it wasn't just that there wasn't enough victory points in their town and they wanted more points? Like, because <laughs> that's almost like 95% of worker placements, right? Like, Right, right. And there like, are victory points in, in Charterstone too, but I, I want to... <laughs> I want them to mean to mean something. Like, why are we getting these points? What do they What do they mean in the construct in the context of this game? Yeah, and I mean, I do like that. There's a branching path. Like, you do feel a reason to look into Charterstone again. And the the one thing, uh, and you know, I, I know some people are going to say this is where I'm just like blowing smoke and stuff. You know, when you do Pandemic Legacy, the next time you play Pandemic Legacy, you almost can't help but to like pure game it. Right. Right. Where it's like, no, no, we need Sydney to be ground zero. Right. Like, you know, and stuff like that, where you almost feel like you're manipulating fate, like it's a time travel game. Right. We started another campaign of Charterstone, and our whole thing now is any building we didn't see the first time around, let's just build it and see what happens. Yeah. And like any decision we made, we're choosing the opposite. Like last time we gave him an apple, this time we'll give him a slap. Just like <laughs> ABBA, you know, just like that. And we're up to game eight again. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, it definitely holds, like, and the other thing I kind of like, too, is the Charterstone game, I did see a few people say online, like, oh, yeah, like, our game took three hours, mm-hmm. and maybe you can explain how, how can Charterstone <laughs> take three hours? 
I, I think it is possible if you're not like, you know, there are certain actions in Charter Stone that advance the progress of the game. Like when you're, you're building, unlocking and scoring objectives. And so if you almost decide as a group not to do those things and you just want to get points or you want to, you just want to do anything other than that, which I think is, I actually, unless someone is really, like really complaining about it. Um, some people I think have had fun doing that because I, I think, well, I, I I guess what I'm getting at is some people have complained that they've run out of stuff to build, which I think is a valid complaint. It's a game about building buildings, and but it's also a game about using those buildings. So every once in a while, when I see a post like that, I'm like, okay, that's kind of neat that they're they took a break from build from building and unlocking for a game, and they just used this village that they've created. I kind of like that. But sometimes you're right. Sometimes people complain about the length, and then I have to point out like you are in control of how long this game lasts. You can push it along if you want. Yeah, I was gonna say like because I've seen it where people have like started like pushing down that clock after like turn six. Yeah. Like they could blow through all their influence and they're like, all right, well, it's advancing. It's advancing. Right, right. So, but yeah, like, I mean, for us, we found that even at four players, we're looking at an hour to an hour and 20 per game, which is perfect for a Euro. Yeah, we did, in my campaign, we did a six-player campaign and we did two games at a time in two and a half hours total. So usually the first game was like an hour and a half and then we were really in the rhythm and we did another one in about an hour. Yeah, I do find that every time playing Charterstone, though, it's almost like a Netflix show where you're like, okay, we got to do one more. Well, like, <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. to do it. You know, like, after a month of, like, Pandemic Legacy Season 2, which I think you mentioned you're playing too, right? We finished it, yeah, a couple months ago. Oh, did you finish it? Nice. Yeah. Were, you, were you pleased with the ending? Well, there's a there's a great twist in it. I mean, if you guys finished, I don't want to spoil it. I'm, no, not yet. I'm just, I'm just curious if you're as pleased, oh. like... Afterwards, they're like, oh, my God, we did these things. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some very memorable moments in that game that, that I'll look back on fondly. I think my one, um, I, I'll call it a criticism, and I've talked to Matt Leacock about this. I had the pleasure of hosting him on, on my uh, channel recently. I, I think it goes on a little too long, like the, the entire campaign. like And, and I... And it, in an uncertain way. Like you don't necessarily know if, if when you sit down, like there was a night where we sat down expecting to finish that campaign and then we lost two games and it meant that we had to come back another week and finish yeah. because we just didn't have time to continue. And that's one thing, like even with Charterstone, I wonder a little bit if I should have made it a 10 game campaign instead of a 12. What did, what did you think? Did it last the right amount of time or did it outstay its welcome a little bit? No. Um. Well, like that's the thing. I think with Charterstone, the fact that you're choosing A, B paths, but there's no failure condition made it work. Oh, right, right. And one thing for us is our final game was only like 22 minutes. 22 minutes for the for Because, uh, so my wife, Kim, like she was like, I have to go to the points I can because you're in the lead. So she just started making ultimate dominating moves uh. and then she burned through her influence. I'm like, oh my God, I got to do something fast. So like, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to build. And of course that's advancing progress. And it was just, right. we're like, we're done. And you look at the clock, it's only like, you know, a quarter after eight. And we're like, all right, what are we going to do now? <laughs> well, it's funny because I, we, me and my wife, we actually had the opposite where we were like, it's the end. What do we do now? You know, we're like, um, you know, you do that thing where you're like, no. And then you go over here, you no, you know, so, you know, instead of like, you know, before, you know, most of our games were fairly, you know, fluent and just kind of, you know, smooth, you know, smooth sailing. This one was just like, man, it's the end now. It's like, okay, we really, you know, let's try to optimize what we can, you know, before the end. But I think we were just kind of like overanalyzing it, you know, and by the time we were done, we're like, did we do anything? I don't know if we did anything. <laughs> Did you tell Tracy, like, look, I will give you $50 if you don't spend any influence. Just please let me get some more points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a question for you, Jamie. Um, so when it comes to, you know, the instructions and you, you when you're opening up stuff, you know, during the game and about halfway you got, you open up talking about the victory points at the end. Right. You know, is it, you know, is it something, you know, when when you were thinking about doing that, you know, did you think that, you know, this was just the perfect place to spring on people. Did you, were you unsure about like, where do you think that people would just be like, okay, I've been doing it this way all along. And now, now I have to do it like this. You know, did you, did you have it in your mind? Like, Oh man, this could have an adverse effect to it or. Yeah. This is something that evolved a lot over playtesting because I, 
as you guys have seen, it's a game about discovery and with discovery comes uncertainty. And um, for me, as someone who loves legacy games, I have, I embrace that type of discovery and uncertainty, but I found that playtesters had a hard time with, especially these are people who love Euro games. This is a Euro game and Euro gamers, I don't think like a ton of uncertainty. And so as they were playtesting, they kept pointing out like, we want to know why we're doing this. We want to know at least a little bit about what's coming next. We want to know the big picture. Like what are, how do we win this campaign? And so originally um, the way you win the campaign wasn't revealed at all until around game eight. Whereas in the final version, um, on your on that little tuck box, your charter chest that you get at the beginning, you can see uh, point ranges as to like pretty close to what your your end end of campaign scoring will be. You don't have an exact idea, but you have a you have a pretty good idea of of the value of the things that you're doing. So that's something that was added pretty late in the process. Um, and then I went back and bumped up that uh, the thing that you just mentioned uh, to around I think it is around game six or seven. It's just, it, it, it's funny because, you know, it's like, it, like I got was kind of talking about with the end. It's like, you know, you're doing these certain things and then you get to a certain point where you've got that now and you're thinking, right. okay, shoot, was I doing this right the whole time? Was I paying enough attention? You know, right. so it's good in a way where it's like, okay, you know, if you decide you want to get the recharge pack, okay, we can go back and we can kind of fix those mistakes that maybe we made. But also in that original game, it also can create that, Oh, man, maybe I just wasn't doing the right thing to begin with. So you know, it, right? You know, there's the scales are balanced, kind of. Right. So piggyback on what Kurt was saying, like the fact that the tuck box on game one notes to you, this will be worth between three and five. This is five and seven. That's like when people are like, oh, you know, I was like totally surprised at the end with the point swing. I'm like, how could you be? Right. right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's only in print in front of you. How dare you, Jamie? <laughs> you should have emailed everyone personally and let them know, hey, get just a heads up. <laughs> so, so now, uh, with Kurt mentioning the recharge pack too, please tell me you got a trademark on recharge pack because every legacy game in the future should start doing this, right? <laughs> it was actually, I mean, this was an idea that came from people. Uh, it wasn't my idea. It was, a, it was like a fan idea where people said, people suggested, you know, why not use the backside of the board? Why not put out a recharge pack? And it was something we kind of threw together pretty much at the last minute, like maybe the last month of uh, right before we went to production. Um, I don't have a trademark on it. I hope I hope anybody uses it. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see that in other legacy games, especially shorter legacy games. Like I, I wouldn't I personally wouldn't want to play Pandemic Legacy again as much as I enjoyed that experience. If you throw like a six game legacy campaign at me, I might want to play that again with the recharge pack. Yeah, it, it's definitely. Even like for the pandemic legacy players, even if it just existed in some capacity for them, instead of going, oh man, that was cool, right? Give us $80 for everything all over again, even though you don't need half of it. It's like, thanks guys. Right. Yeah. You know? Especially like, when- the- Here's that box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, here's that box again that you don't need. And that insert that you already had and those pawns you already got a set of. It's like, great. I'm so happy I got these again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So- uh, for anyone that wants to avoid spoilers, now might be a good time to quick turn away because I, I just want to bring up a few things of, you know, things that happen within Green Gully and that the Forever King is capable of yeah. just to get some ideas of, uh, like, you know, again, like kind of where it came from and all. Uh, so everyone is three, two, one, you're out. Okay. <laughs> so uh, one of our co-hosts, Kim, has a question for you. So why did the Forever King have to rip out my soul? <laughs> <laughs> Which is arguably my favorite thing that has ever happened in a worker placement game ever. Because the first response she had was, I'm dead? <laughs> Where did that come from? Because that is great. And I want to see more games do that. And this is one of the mo- more controversial elements of the game, actually. Um, it, I put it in there because I wanted a memorable moment. And sometimes in, in movies and books and other legacy games, the most memorable, memorable moment is when someone dies. And but this is a this is a competitive game, so I couldn't just have a a, a person die. I didn't want to, I didn't want a character to permanently die, and that's why with this, I, uh, you ha- you feel the impact of of the soul being torn out of you, hopefully, but you can still get back in the game. You can you can get your body back um, if you want to. So I it was a tough one to balance, and some people have been pretty frustrated by it because it is the person who's in last place to get it, and it's meant to be a catch up mechanism. 
but in the moment where you're feeling down because the game tells you you're or reminds you you're in last place, <laughs> something happened. I mean, that when that thing happens, it I think for some people it 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 doesn't it doesn't feel good. And so I wonder in hindsight if I should have made it memorable, but in like a really like heightened way. Like suddenly there's Superman for the next few games um, instead of having their soul ripped out. But it sounds like <laughs> it was at least a, a memorable moment for you guys. So that was what I was going for. Yeah, I, and that's the thing. I think, uh, you know, it's kind of like you said. Uh, I remember a show a while ago, uh, Jeff Inglesine talked about players viewing reward versus loss mm-hmm. and how loss affects people like eight times stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So the infamous, I play a card to get three points. And you're like, oh, you got three points. But I play a card to make you lose three points. And you're like, man, I, I had, I got a hundred points, but you made me lose what I worked for. Yeah. But I think if people looked at that catch-up mechanic, because Kurt, I think Tracy even said that that's what let her start whooping you savagely. No? <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we not talk about that? It still hurts. <laughs> it hurts my heart. <laughs> I think but my biggest regret with that mechanism um, is the timing of it because it happens right after one of my f- very favorite things in the game, which I, I'd love to hear your thoughts about. It's it's the moment where you realize that your village isn't isolated, but it's part of a whole world of villages, like around the world, like real villages yeah. that are tied in. And so I love that moment, and that thing happens right afterwards. So I think something that like overshadows that that what I think is a pretty cool moment. Did you guys do that? Did you log on and put your ability? Oh, yeah. 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 When we saw that, we we're like, what? What? <laughs> no, I got I know this is gonna sound like weird. My first assumption was this that because you all think you're special. Right. Right. And that the Forever King I is it meant to be like the Forever King is literally sending out tens of thousands of people yeah. just to find that perfect body. Yep. Yeah. Cause I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, like one of the things with the sky islands too, yeah. just like the commentary where it's like one of the people actually asked, like, you know, like, Oh, like, you know, like, like, why do you think he's called forever? The, like the forever King. And it's like, but you got these sky islands. That's cool too. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I mean, there's so many, like there's so many different moving parts and everything. And that's why like, you know, I wanted to make sure we got to talk about this game. Cause I think, Sometimes it's very easy for people to look at something and go, oh, the story's bad. I don't want to play that. Or, oh, this guy said this is bad. I don't want to try that. Yeah. yeah. But it's if you are a player that's asking for something different, I feel like this one does it in spades. And I mean, I like Kurt knows, I am a worker placement junkie. So even if it's like a bad worker placement, yeah, there's like a 50-50 chance I'll still try it just to see what's there. Yeah. But like, so out of curiosity, did you ever hear of the game Spirium? I have heard of it. Yeah, it has like a steampunky feel to it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's another one of those games that it's like never in game shells, like very few people played it, but it's like that worker placement displacement thing. Mm-hmm. And by displacing, you actively work against other players and at the same time work against yourself because you can up your own prices. And like people are like, oh, I don't like that sometimes, you know, it doesn't flow as well. I'm like, yeah, but it's, again, something different. And yeah. I love the game for that. I love this game for that. I love that it's totally different. Like those Sky Islands, are phenomenal. I, I like the idea of you're changing up your game from game to game where if you're like, well, nobody's using this building, but I don't want to build over it because it's a lot of points. Sky Island, problem solved. Right, right. Yeah. You know? And uh, which also brings me to one other thing about the end of Charterstone, like the game after the game. Yes, yeah. Now, I love that you can still modify the game even though you're done. I thought right. that was genius. Right. And the fact that the Sky Islands get randomly dealt out. Mm-hmm. And so the like again, too. oh yeah, the person as well. Like yeah. buddy of mine was like when we were playing it, he was like, "Yeah, but I got like three blank Sky Islands." I'm like, "Well, now you have choices of what's built." Right, right. You know, I'm like, "There's, I don't feel like I'm like those buildings aren't points at the end anymore, so you don't have to worry about that." I kind of like that feel. Yeah, I had a curious because Kurt, I know, uh, I know, time was a little tight this week. Did you guys get to play Charterstone after the uh, the story or not yet? Unfortunately, we will haven't been able to. Life has been kind of a railroad of misery, so <laughs> unfortunately, we haven't been able to. I know that was very dramatic, but hey, that's just how it how it's been. But no, we've got we got to the point where we got to the game and we were gonna play it as you know as its finished product or whatever, but haven't gotten a chance to. But I love the prospect of it. You know, just at the end of it, where it tells you 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 can shuffle uh, everything in and kind of you never know what you're really gonna get. I like that idea because then 
it it puts a little more uh, variety into it and just being instead of being like, okay, well, I've got I've got these personas, I'm gonna pull these out. And, you know, I'm going to do the same thing I did for the last 12 games. And, you you know, maybe if you don't know how to stop it, you're probably not going to stop it kind of thing. I like that. It gives you a chance to play those other things, too, especially if you decide not right away to get that recharge pack. You can kind of play these other things that you didn't get a chance to play before and see how they work out. So I love that idea. Nice. Yeah, it's um, the one thing we were thinking about trying out was uh, shuffling up all the old uh, guideposts. Yeah, and being like whoever does that gets ten extra points or something. Yeah, that's nice. that was. I don't know if you saw that on, on the FAQ, but that was Rado's idea after he played it. I totally did not think of that at all. But <laughs> I think that's really clever. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say when you got to the end, you're like, "Oh my god, I'm done finally!" And you say, you put the lid on. You're like, "No, I'm not doing anything else. This is perfect. I'm fine." <laughs> I didn't say this is perfect. But, but yeah, I was. I mean, at a certain point, I was like, "Okay, this is this is." where I want it to be, and I, I need to take a break from it. Because I spent 18 months, like, thinking nonstop about this game, and that's a lot longer than I spend on other games, so. I was going to say, I can imagine. I The only thing that did make me sad, though, was the original uh, font and logo for Charterstone. Oh, that yeah. was, like, a little, yeah, that was really cool. I was like, oh, my God, this looks amazing. My first thought was yeah. like, oh, my God, it's going to be like a robot village, and they're all building themselves and building the <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, it's fantasy. All right, that still works. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that artist is the artist that did the buildings in the game. And I, I, I really liked that logo. That was like the announcement logo. But uh, but Mr. Cuttington is really good. So they're the one that did the cover and the personas and a lot of the art in the game. So I had, I had to go with them. I, I, I like Cuttington a lot. Yeah, and I, I like it because it's like, you know, just like simple, bright, you know, right. like not like super detailed, but you clearly can tell what it is across the board. Like that's my favorite part. Yeah. Now, one of the things that uh, Kurt and I always love to do is, like, we throw out, like, a, a couple of different, like, ideas on games and everything. Cool. So what's the chances of, like, Charterstone the dice game? Charterstone the dice game. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I've never gone from a, a game and then done a dice game version of it. I haven't done that yet. Do you have a, do you have a favorite game that, that, that did that where you were like, yeah, I'm really happy they made a dice version of this? You know, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I just enjoy games that, like, dive back into the same worlds with different ideas like Terranoth, like the whole battle lore slash yeah. uh descent slash you know rune wars like i enjoy stuff like that i know like orleans like trade and intrigue and all those kind of almost feel like a different game than orleans at times yeah so things like that i always like love the like let's revisit this world yeah what about you uh, i you know i don't know if i've played anything that that has that that turns it into something else that I really enjoy. You know, the only thing that comes to mind is like Puerto Rico and San Juan, like those, you know, like San Juan. I just, as much as I like Puerto Rico, I like San Juan just because it's, you know, really quick, easy, but it's also very thinky too. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Gosh, I'm trying to think, God, I feel like there's something else that does a really good job of that too. And I can't think of it, of course, on the top of my head. What about the uh, above and below and near and far? Oh yeah. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, all of those games are amazing, so that's always good. Um, can, I want to throw in a question from a fan, actually. I've got uh, Howard Ratner. He's actually asking, anything new coming for Viticulture? Maybe Viticulture meets Charterstone? Huh? Well, how about that one? Uh, I have done one little crossover in my games, and there's a, there's a, an expansion that, uh, like a little mini expansion that was in the original Tuscany that crosses over to Euphoria, kind of. That's the closest I've come to a crossover. But for Viticulture, we are announcing an expansion uh, in about two weeks. So there's Ooh. a little expansion for Viticulture coming out. Yeah, like like kind of like along the uh, the more size, like the the one that UA worked with you for. Uh, it's it's sim a little bigger than that, but but similar. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, you know, because like with Charterstone, it's it's kind of funny because like we were like. Okay, what about a dice game? Maybe. What about a trick-taking game? <laughs> you know, you got to, like, match up the different uh, symbols and goods, and, like, then you play that trick, first one to go out. You know, whoever's in last place loses their soul, of course. I mean, it's kind of mandatory. <laughs> it's, uh, so, so what about Charterstone, like, Charter versus Charter, the two-player-only version? <laughs> High combat. Seems like a, that's getting like super overplayed these days now. It's like everything big's got to have the two player game head to head. Yeah. 
you know, I, I, I looked down on those types of games maybe a little bit, just a little bit, until I played Seven Wonders Duel, and then I was right? like, okay, this is just awesome. Yeah, oh, I love this game. That is the one that definitely, like, trounces to me the original. Um, what, yeah. What about a prequel to How the Forever King Became the Forever King? You know, maybe you could make uh, another legacy game. Like, you know, this one could be maybe the seven to ten games or something like that. It's neat to yeah. hear you talk about it this way because I'm getting the sense that you guys are mostly Euro gamers, but I like that you you want that story. You want some sort of world connection. That's that's cool. That's what I aim for in my games, but I haven't done it in that format yet. So maybe I need to. Yeah. Yeah, it could be the story of how the Forever King was this nice guy and then he turned into this soul-eating monster. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, two to six players are trying to find this stone that can supposedly give one eternal life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to play that right now. <laughs> Man, I wish I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, because like I said, I mean, uh, even though we are Eurogamers, there is something about that story that, like uh, a lot of people say, like Lords of Waterdeep could be anything. Right. But if you read the flavor text on the cards, that game is awesome. Yeah. No, um, but most people just go 25 points, bam. Like, <laughs> what do you do? I don't know. I bought some dogs or something. Give me my points. Like, right. you mean kills owl bears? Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, that's whenever yeah. I play games like that, I try to read. I don't always read the like the flavor text, but I read the the title, like the like the I I killed three owl bears today or whatever. That I, and that that really does help to just say that out loud, and then it gives some meaning behind it. I did that when I play Yedo. Yedo has some great like little flavor text at the top. I gotta admit, Yedo, you feel like such a badass when you're playing that game. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, the merchant doesn't want to work with us. Take his family. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's like my favorite thing is when people play Yedo and they're like, "God, I feel like such a jerk." It's like, well, stop doing those things then. No, I'm not going to let you win. I'm done. Because <laughs> there's no, like, feed the hungry or build a house for the homeless. Like, it's like, right. burn down the orphanage. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I wonder how many people actually, you know, when they're playing games, a lot of people I feel like are detached from story, you know, unless it's, like, really, you know, into it. You know, like, you're yeah. dead of winners, you're near and far and stuff like that. That, like, throws it at you. You know, it says, here is the narrative. Where right. some of these other games, you could be playing it and you go, okay, I'm slaughtering a bunch of people. I'm, you know, burning this village down. It's like, you know, you don't really think about that when you're playing these games. You just go, well, you know, I moved this here. I took this resource here and took this guy. This guy's out, but, you know, really he's dead. You know, whatever. You know, you don't ever really think about that. You're just like playing a game. You're like, oh, fun. You know, <laughs> if you could, if it could be like a movie where you've put, you know, put the camera down on the actual, you know, thing and everything, you know, meeples are running away, like, run away, burn, you know, burn <laughs> building. Like, uh, again, like, but sorry, one of the things that I loved was when we were like throughout Charterstone, when people were like, oh, well, why are we doing these guy postings? Like, why does he want us to do this? Why does he want us to do that? I'm like, you've never had your job give you a task that sounds asinine at the time. Like everything your boss has said has always been brilliant. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, it's simple. He's a king. He doesn't have to make sense to you. He signs your check. That's why you're doing this. <laughs> but I'm I'm also really glad to see that you're into the thematics of these games too and everything. Like, because I always find like, especially when there's flavor text on a card, one game, I don't know if you got to play it yet, Spirit Islands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's right behind you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I, just the names of the cards and yeah. the spirits, you know, like the like Ocean's Hungry Grasp and things like that. It's That's a game that it's like after you play it, especially when you lose, you're like, oh, my God, we failed them. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I love about that game is, and, and it's tied to the theme, like you said there, is that you feel throughout the game, in, in some cooperative games, you feel like more and more helpless the longer you play the game in spirit island you feel more and more powerful like you actually are this you know water elemental or or or, or tree god or whatever and the mechanisms reflect that so you, you the the whole story of each of the the gods that you play or the spirits that you play is that I, I love that that empowerment that you get throughout the game it's, it's and, really and i love like on the player boards the chart like easy yeah. medium hard control aggro things like that yeah like uh for my like a few of my buddies like uh is the um the MOBAs are I would say just as strong as ever online. <laughs> and as soon as he saw those graphs, he was like, Yeah, I'm going with the mid-year aggro. Let's do this. Like 
I was uh, like, all right, cool. Like, you know, yeah. Uh, design wise, I thought that was a great call on there <laughs> to put right on the card. Yeah. So, you know, you have like a lot of praise for like other games and stuff like that too. And one thing I was curious about is, uh, and a lot of people love quoting it when you say it's only cardboard. Yeah. Right. I was curious, like now Charterstone, like the first like three days after it came out and you saw people with like the ones and tens. Uh-huh. Do they like, is it the same thing as like the gaining three points versus losing three points for you? Like, do you, do you like any praise or criticism in the first week or two? You just kind of like, okay, I'm not going to take this like too seriously yet. Like let the game breathe a little, let people take a little more of it in or like, did it did like, you know, were you like checking any of the feedback right off the bat? Were you taking anything like very seriously, like one way or the other? The the ratings, not so much. The uh, the places where I was mo- like where I was more taking it to heart were reviews and uh, reactions on social media, mainly like the, the Charterstone Facebook group and on BoardGameGeek. Um, what people were posting about it and sharing about it and their experiences. Uh, that's that's uh yeah, so I mean, right away, yeah, from from day one when people started to play it, which even dates back to Essen, because it, it, about a thousand people got copies at Essen and were starting to play it, and reviewers had gotten it a little bit before that. Um, that's when I was, yeah, starting to absorb, seeing how people had different reactions, yeah, and especially this was our first non-Kickstarter game, so the the reviewers had were had a pretty powerful impact on it. If if they were if they hated the game, that was going to lower sales. If they loved the game, that was going to impact sales. We didn't have all these pre-orders like like we did through Kickstarter, so I was a little bit more nervous, I think, about those reviewers than than I had been about past games. True, because you don't have that solid number that people. Yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from on that. Yeah, yeah. The the one thing I thought for me was like because uh, you know you mentioned how you wonder if the game was only ten games. Yeah. See, for me, the thing is like the first two games to me were not so much like discount games, but this is the okay, like this is the flow of it. Right. And I think you, re- like, you know, you might remember, like, in the beginning of Pandemic Legacy Season 2, it's the only time I ever saw in a game, play this three or four, like, play this a few times, don't keep track of points, don't change anything, figure out what this is. Yeah, yeah. And then start for realsies. Right. I kind of felt like the first two games of Charterstone were kind of like that. So, like, when you say you kind of wish it was a 10, like, 10 game series, it kind of actually felt like a 10 game series. Interesting. Yeah. And when people were like, well, you know, the first game really doesn't mean anything because, you know, you're you're just starting up. I'm like, that's every game you've ever played. I can't <laughs> understand that criticism. <laughs> and like when people are like, oh, you know, I, I don't get to carry enough stuff from game to game. No other game lets you carry anything from game to game. <laughs> like I'm looking at a wall of games like, let's see, Yokohama. Nope, I don't start with any extra points in that. Uh, Lorenzo Magnifico. No, I didn't get to keep anything there. Manhattan Project. Oh, can I keep these three bombs? No, we're starting over. <laughs> so, like, I was like, I, again, like, I was like, what are people looking for? <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I mean, people base their experiences off of the the previous games they've played. So if someone, people played Pandemic Legacy and loved it, um, the, I'm sure their reactions to that impacted their their impacted their, their reactions to Charterstone, um, which I understand. I, I get that. I, I wanted people to go to it with an open mind, but... Uh, But I guess like for me, it was like, just like the approach, like I get if somebody was like, oh, I wish it was a little faster. Like, that's fine. But when people like, we know how to play Euros, it's like, yeah, but you haven't played this one before. So (laughs) there there are many masses that always want more. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I want my Charterstone dice game and trick taking (laughs) game and the before the storm of the forever king, you know, (laughs) it's a different type of group. Right. Right. Have you guys heard of the the Queensdale game? I forget the full name. Something Queen. There's another Euro Village Building and Legacy game coming out later this year from a different company. Really? Um, yeah, write that down right now. Yeah, I, I have not heard that. that. It's some blank something of Queensdale. I can't remember what the blank is, but uh, I followed it on BoardGameGeek for a while, and it looks completely different than Charterstone, but still very much a Euro, very much real permanence in the game. I'm I'm curious about it and excited about it. Yeah, I'm instantly excited about it now. <laughs> it's like I get to put down people and gain uh, various resources. I'm already excited. <laughs> the rise of Queensdale. Rise of Queensdale. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Now, is that going to be a retail or is that a Kickstarter? You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Either way, I'm in for it. I guess you're not in. It. If it's a Kickstarter, will you not back it? Will you wait for the retail? 
Um, so here's the deal. Like for me, I'm just not a fan of Kickstarter exclusive. Yeah. Uh, because you know, like I hear a lot of people that are always like the community, we got to bring the community together. It's a gaming community. And then it's like, look at all these things that I got that you can never have. Isn't that great? It's like, that doesn't feel inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've I guess some I, polls about it on my blog and my, my sense is that, and it might just be the people who read my blog, but my sense is that there's actually a very small number of people who truly want something that's exclusive that no one else can ever get. And a lot of other people confuse that term with like a limited promo, like something that you can get now, but you have to pay more for later. So I, I don't understand that small audience though. I, there's nothing in my life where I'm excited about it because other people can't have it. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah I, I, I feel agree. I feel the same way about it. Yeah, it's 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 like having it's like having like seasons of a show that you really like, and it's like, oh, I love the show. It's got this, this, and this. You know, oh, where can I watch it? No, you can't. I have it. No one else has it. Sorry, <laughs> right. you're you're screwed. Sorry, right? It's my show. Only I get to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. See, like a Kickstarter exclusive that I don't mind is like Dinosaur Island, the slap bracelet. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, like that's that's fine. You know, it does. It's not a building in game or a mechanic or an expansion or something. I bought a two dollar little T Rex at a local toy store. I'm like, there's our first player marker, bam. <laughs> nice. But yeah, it's like things like that. You know, again, like I said, it's like upgraded components that you can still acquire. That's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. And again, like sometimes, like um, because it's funny because you were mentioning like the Deluxe Orleans. Yeah. The only thing I I didn't like and I ended up not using is the wooden bits for the goods. Oh, yeah. Because it becomes way too big a pile, kind of, for me. Yeah. And plus the fact that you have to seed the board with the cardboard anyway. Right. I'm yeah. like, why am I going to take up a piece of cardboard, put it into this pile, take a piece of the wood from that pile, put it in the pass? <laughs> You're definitely right. Yeah, we found that last, like, we literally just played last night, and it is, there's whole mounds of stuff with those wooden bits, and it is a little unwieldy. I can see how the cardboard tokens might be actually better for that. Yeah, it was like, uh, I just ended up using those, like, I kind of put them next to the, uh, like, the Stonemaier game bit things I have, where I'm like, all right, these will be for other games now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and which, by the way, uh, the one thing I uh, I will note as far as a component, a lot of people were bugging out when I showed them those metal coins for Charterstone. Oh, yeah. And they were like, oh, was that because of the pre-order? I'm like, no, no, that's just it. Yeah. And when you posted that, you can actually buy the coins separate on the site. Mm-hmm. My instant thing was like, all right, how many sets would I need to like redo Citadels? How many coins are in that game? <laughs> yeah, you can tell people always love the shiny because even even though we were playing this game and my son had came and, lo- and looked at it and he wouldn't play it because he co- wouldn't couldn't. Boy, sorry, he's a smart kid. He's seven and a half, but he wouldn't quite understand the legacy part of it. But that's the first thing he's like, ooh, shiny coins, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> pick this up he's this is heavy i'm like yeah isn't this awesome he's like yeah can i have it no this is for this game I mean, if you play it then maybe you could play with me some more but no yeah, i wanted something that if people like if if someone if for anyone who plays charter stone like you play it maybe you played a bunch of times maybe you get to game three and you decide i don't want to play this at least you can walk away with these coins that you can use in any game and, and i gotta admit they are probably the heftiest like for one coin bits hefty nice clean appearance like a full size i backed one of those like fantasy uh coin things a while ago into kickstarter like the one cent coins are like they can fall into your pores they feel like a little bit nothing and i'm like this sucks i'm like i got a hundred of these things and they all suck those coins as soon as i got them, I'm like all right i got 34 here and i got like 34 in my other copy of charstone if i get one more set then it's like... yeah i'm glad you like them yeah that was uh, that was important to me so i'm glad it worked out yeah, and, and the beautiful thing is uh, they really can go in any game. Right, yeah. You know? points. yeah. All right, so with that, now, one thing, like I said, you know, I've heard you on a lot of other podcasts. I always enjoy it and stuff like that. I wanted to do a quick speed round because there's like a lot of aspects about it, Jamie, that people may not get to know, right? Because okay. it doesn't, it's not part of the board gaming community. So, you know, a couple of these questions you've never been asked. So just out of curiosity, rapid fire, waffles or pancakes? Ooh. I think I'm a waffle guy now. I was a pan- I was a chocolate chip pancake guy for a long time, but I think I'd get more to- like if you chicken and waffles. I would go for chicken and waffles in a minute over pancakes. Yeah, I was gonna say I want to hear it from your heart. If you think you're a waffle guy, you may not be a waffle guy. <laughs> you got to believe it, Jamie. Chicken, yeah, I'm a chicken and waffle. I'm a chicken and waffle guy. Yeah. There we go. Dice or cards? Mm. Oh, that's tough. Because 
cards are much more of a Euro thing, and I'm more of a Euro gamer. But dice are just so satisfying to hold and roll. Like I've got these dice from uh, the Rise of Fenris, and they just I just have them on my desk right now because they look cool. I'll go with dice. Nice. Just remember, <laughs> cards don't clunk when you throw them on the table. Yeah. <laughs> Plain or peanut M Ms. Peanut. Nice. Tea or coffee. I am. I like sweet tea. I don't drink. I don't drink coffee, and I don't really drink hot tea. But I, I, I'll go sweet tea, cold Sounds tea. Good. Red meeple or blue meeple? Red. I'm, I'm, I always play red. There we go. Domestic or imported beer? Oh, <laughs> different beer. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go USA. I'll go. I'll go domestic. I like the way that sounds. Full dinner or tapas? I'll go tapas. Yeah, tapas is a treat to me. That's that's uh yeah that's a treat. Yeah, if I had the choice right now, I'd go for tapas. Right. It's a little more variety. Yeah, nice little yeah. plate. Apple or Android? I I do have an iPhone. I'm. I'm I'm a PC guy, but I have I'm in the Apple universe. Okay, so you're dipping a couple of toes into both pools there. I'm I'm okay with yeah. that. And uh, my last question for you is: It's the dystopian future. Who do you want to be your overlords? Robots or aliens? Hmm. I'll go with aliens because I. It would be awesome if aliens existed. Robots already exist. I I have a Roomba, but I haven't met an alien, so. I'll go. Just just remember, if your Roomba hears that answer, it might not like it. You go, oh, you want the aliens? I'll show you. <laughs> I wake up in the middle of the night and it's on my bed somehow. Like, <laughs> Blankets <laughs> slowly going down inch by inch. <laughs> all right, I'm glad we got to find out a little more about uh, the man behind Stonemeyer with all those. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. So any closing words for uh, the people out there that might be on the fence about Charterstone? Hmm. Well, okay, I'll say this. I'll say if you haven't ever played a legacy game, I hope you try one. It doesn't have to be Charterstone. It can be any legacy game. But I know it's kind of scary to take that, that put that first sticker on the board or to write your name on a card and permanently change it. But it has changed my life as a gamer and as a designer. And I, I think other people might find joy in it if they give it a try. So whether it's Charterstone or another game, I hope you give it a try. Legacy games. Yeah, I agree, man. It's for all the people that are afraid this is going to be the forever and every game is going to be legacy. I think there's like what five or six, really. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah, it's not going to take over the future, but it's it's definitely something worth trying out, like tapas. Tapas. (laughs) Any closing words, Kurt? Oh, this was great. Good job, Dan. I'm glad. I'm glad I got to sit back and make you do all the work. So, oh, dude, I've been I've been looking forward to this for weeks. I know he's been sweating it. He's been texting me like, "Oh, what do I do? What do I do?" The same thing we always do, except for talk a little bit more. That's all. So, Jamie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for so much for joining us on the MFG Cast. This is a great way to spend my night. Thank you, guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you, man. Take care. Legends of Tabletop Podcast, creating legends. Die at a time.